0: Welcome, everyone, to the Leader Next Door podcast, where we find leaders from all walks of life and find out their secret strategies for success. New episodes are released every Thursday. Sit back and enjoy the show. We have, like, we moved into this house a while back, and there's this, like, I don't know, like, there's, like, a wine... We just don't use it, so, like, it's just a playroom for the kids, and I'm like, all right, sometimes this is going to be my podcast studio too. So Yeah, you know. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Podcast. Oh
1: great. I'm podcast. great. How about
0: you? I'm doing pretty good. Um I'm actually this I just want to check something real quick. Can you hear me okay?
1: I can hear you fine. What about is my sound okay?
0: Yeah, it's great. It's definitely okay. great. Um just yeah, I
1: never use headset. I just I really haven't felt the need to so
0: nah. <clears throat> I have that's like good. I have like a whole studio in here. I've ha- I can have like four people like I travel with this thing, and and it's been pretty cool. Like the audio will definitely be uh, really high quality when you're using these mics, but I've had a lot of of success um, th- doing some of these remote ones too. So it's all good.
1: I listened to a couple. I I was like, oh, I got to see who's been on here, and of course, I had to listen to to. Um... Uh, Kelly Cryer okay. and, and Kenny
0: Palace. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. It's
1: the Turkmenistan thing. I had I to had. listen to what Kenny had to say, but yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's funny. Kelly, I think Kelly was the first one that I ever did, and yeah. then um and then Kenny was I don't know somewhere in the middle, but mm. yeah, it's it's you know it's been fun. I've had I don't know, just I've learned so much just talking to people and getting into some different things, and it's been um, just a hobby. You know, it's like really something that I was looking, I was actually looking to find this podcast before I started it and I couldn't find it. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just start it <laughs> and we'll see how it nice. goes. So I but, love
1: it. Yeah, I think I heard you say that in the, in the intro one that you did, like the first kind of brief why I'm doing this, which probably. was probably cool.
0: that's good. That yeah. what I'm saying now is actually in the intro. So it means that it's true <laughs> or I'm yes, sticking to exactly. what I said initially. Exactly. <clears throat> um, do, you have,
1: do you have favorite podcasts that you listen to?
0: um not really i mean i i listen to i listen to the daily i listen to um some npr stuff like fresh air i listen to um well Serial. i listen to for a while um i listen to like financial podcasts too because i'm like uh i don't know um dave ramsey which is just i don't know i i like like one out of every five that he does and I, i i don't know whatever what about you
1: I love, I was just listening to one today. Um, the Huberman lab.
0: I've heard of it. Andrew, Andrew Huberman. Huberman. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. He's amazing. He's what? a, he's a scientist. He's at Stanford. He's, he's a professor of, um, ophthalmology and something else, but he's just really about the brain. He I think he's a neuroscientist really. And he also teaches ophthalmology, but, um, He's amazing, he's he's just fascinating. And he can talk, he can do a three hour podcast, I'm not even kidding you, only him talking. He has notes and stuff, but only him talking and he holds my attention.
0: That's amazing.
1: I don't, I don't know how, he, and then he does interviews sometimes and yeah. he's amazing, but I like a lot of, I definitely love Terry Gross and a lot of NPR stuff. Terry wondered, Gross, like, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fresh air. Um, and uh. This American Life, I love Hourglass. Um, and if you do you like freakonomics since you like financial stuff? Yeah,
0: I've done I have listened to Freakonomics a little bit and then um Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history, yeah. a little bit of I that. Love well, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm like picky though. I, I like I'm I don't know if there's anything that I listen to that I'm just like I like every single episode no matter what. I'm just like it either holds my attention or it doesn't. Like you said, I'll have to check out that Huberman lab because I've heard about some good things ah. about that too.
1: So good. And of course, I love him because he gets into uh, substance use a lot. You know, he he taught his his one on alcohol. That's fascinating. You probably wouldn't if you ever do drink, you probably wouldn't (laughs) after listening to it. But I mean, he's he's really not a, um, you know, prohibitionist or anything like that. I mean, but he's like talking about the brain, you know, brain health and stuff. And then he has one on cannabis. So I, I really and then he interviewed Anna Lemke, who wrote the book um, Dopamine Nation, which is fantastic.
0: Wow. I have to check that out. His
1: interview interview with her is phenomenal. She's, she's just, I first heard her on Terry Gross and I was like, I gotta get this book. And the book is amazing, but she's, yeah, she's at Stanford too. She's an addiction psychiatrist. Okay. And um, it was very interesting, but that was all, I was just geeking out on all the drug stuff, you know?
0: No, I love it. It's honestly, part of the reason that I even like doing this is to, Talk to interesting people like yourself and get other ideas. And it just keeps expanding. It's like a web of never ending ideas and things to check out. So, I mean, yeah. I'll probably be emailing you at some point. Hey, what was that guy's name again? <laughs> Cause I'll probably forget, or I'll just listen to the podcast. Right. To find out. Um, yeah. Actually, there's a good book that, um, I had, I had on, um, the principle of, uh, Solderton. um, Sam Verano. I don't know if you know him or not, but oh. I interviewed him in the beginning of the school year, like back to school kind of thing. And his wife is a guidance counselor over, you know, at where I work. And, um, he, he recommended a book called multipliers. Have you heard of that one? No,
1: I haven't.
0: It's good. Um, it's yeah. all about yeah. like, it depends how much you're into leadership. And I know that you are at least a little bit, probably more than that, but like it, it's all about like you're either a multiplier or you're a diminisher and like multipliers and this is the very I literally just started but I'm loving it already and like these multipliers are people that it's almost I, I might screw this up but it's something like they multiply the potential of all of their employees or all of their group and diminishers like suck it away and sometimes you're mm-hmm. a diminisher and you don't even know it um, but there's all these like really interesting characteristics that multipliers have like how do you really get like basically they say most most leaders are not getting anywhere close to um or getting their workers or their their club members or whoever it is to or their students to um reach anywhere near maximum capacity and it's all about you know inspiring them to realize they have all this potential and they're you know how do you get them to use it and and that's what i'm kind of getting into now it's cool i have you'll like it i think you'll like it
1: Oh, I love that. No, I wrote it down. I'll definitely check it
0: out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I just started recording a while back and, well, whatever, but I have a, a guest on today, Kim Porter, and she is the head of, and I don't want to say head because I don't want to mess it up, but she is runs an organization that I would actually like for you to introduce because it's your organization that I think you kind of started or at least had a big helping hand in. Could you introduce yourself? Sure, be
1: happy it. to. Awesome. Yep. So, so I'm the executive director of Be a Part of the Conversation, and we were founded 20 in 2011. Um, so, I I'm one of the founders. I would say, okay. and I'll like to myself as the founder. It, it started off as a school district initiative with the school district you know very well, yep. and um, it was an attempt to talk about substance use in a in an open way, in a non stigmatizing way. And in a way that would involve the community and not just be another um, initiative on on the plate of a guidance counselor or the student services staff and that sort of thing. They wanted to really bring in the community. And I, at the time, was working for the Education Foundation and that associated with that district and um, uh, the i was i was marketing and graphic designer that was my background was was graphics and so on and i was their marketing coordinator but i was in the administration building so i was getting the staff emails and an email came out that said hey we want to revamp our old drug and alcohol policy and do this thing called be a part of the conversation they came up with that name so i walked down the hall to the guy's office who sent it out and i said so i've got a son who's one year in recovery at that time he's now got almost 13 years and I said, um, you know, I'll help with the logo. And he was like, <laughs> oh, you're going to do more than that. Okay. <laughs> so um, so anyway, I just I fell in love with the concept of, again, reducing that stigma because I felt a lot of shame as a parent of somebody. You know, what did where did I go wrong and all that? But um, I also had no clue what to do when this happened to us, when when it happened to, to my son, when it happened to our family. And it did happen to our family, not just him. We were all broken.
2: Yeah.
1: And um and so I had no clue where to turn. So the idea of being transparent, and thankfully Daniel, I can say his name, yes. has always been very supportive of what I'm doing with this initiative, with this now organization. And so, um, you know, being transparent, opened the door for so many people. I mean, I couldn't go through giant without somebody stopping me and saying, can I, can you give me the name of your interventionist? Like, where did your son go to treatment? What did it, uh, you know? So that was beautiful. And, but that's not how it, it, shouldn't be like just knowing one person, it should be a conversation. So I just have been so grateful all of it it's been an amazing amazing 12 years
0: yeah i mean it's been 12 years you've had you know i always look at you as someone who is a go-getter is always involved always does great work um and is involved in this thing that's so near and dear to your heart because of your son Um, or you know maybe other reasons as well but it's just um i once i found out that like you were involved in this and you know the story that that you kind of had, and you shared a little bit about. Um, I, I just knew that it would be um, a huge success, and and that's kind of like anytime I talk to you or I hear about you, I'm like, I don't even need to know. Like, I know it's going to work well, or I know that it will be a success just because of who you are and 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 your work ethic. But um,
1: thank you, Jen. Yeah, no,
0: and I really mean that. I'm not just saying that. Uh, thank you. Be, Being be a part of the conversation is how you say it, right? Be, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this so just tell us a little like what have you done in the community like i know you started out it kind of started in horsham in that area Mm -hmm. and you know i was on your website earlier i was like looking around i was like whoa this is bigger than just horsham now and and i'm kind of naive to it i don't know a whole ton about it so what is like your mission like what is the mission of the of the group of the board of directors or whatever whoever works there what do you guys like what are you what are you trying to do
1: right we're We're trying to be a resource for people to understand what addiction is, what a substance use disorder is, okay. um, how it happens, what the risk factors and protective factors are from a prevention point of view. but um so so our audience is everybody. Mm-hmm. you know our we, we hope our audience is everybody. We want our audience to be people who don't understand why that kid down the street keeps getting arrested. Or why that, you know, that overdose happened or why I went to a funeral of a 22 year old, you know, like so to understand how this has impacted our culture, our society um, from a broad perspective. But then we also want to be there for families who were just like my family was, you know, lost, confused, terrified when you're I'm also the daughter of an alcoholic. My dad is 91 and has. 25 years sober Um, being the daughter of an alcoholic had had had, that had one set of emotions with it. When I realized I was the parent of someone with a drug addiction, that was a very different set of emotions. And so those are the people I connect with the most. That's why I became a certified family recovery specialist, just providing peer support. Um, So the mission is raise awareness, reduce the stigma and be a resource for connection to resources and treatment and each other. Okay. Being with somebody, I think a lot about veterans. A veteran is going to feel much more inclined to be open with another veteran than somebody who might have lots of initials after their name, but really doesn't have that lived experience.
2: Yeah.
1: You know. So just like that, I think in a different way, yeah. we need each other. You know, because you're you work in higher in um, secondary education. Yeah. That when you see a family that's going through this, you want the school system to be a resource, but they see the school system as what they want it to be. They they want the school district to see their child in the best possible light. I know I did want my kids to be, you know, um, you know, respected by the school and sure. for them to respect the school. But you know, parents want their their school to write the letter of recommendation. They don't want to say, I think my son is getting high, Yeah, you know, it's, and so when I'm talking to them, yeah, it's just, as soon as I say, yeah, my child stole from us, he lied to us, he manipulated us, he was doing these things that were illegal, you know, they're much more likely to be transparent about their own challenges. Yeah, And so pretty much every one of us who works in our organization now, and they're like five of us on staff, um, you know, we all have skin in the game in some respect, you know.
0: I, I understand that i mean like you know being you you know our story maybe a little bit like adopting kids and you know there's been things plenty of things that happen that are like it, you know when they happen it's like well that's not you know we didn't teach you that how how would you and, and you feel whether it's a st- stealing incident or something and and you just feel that shame and uh, like you feel a little bit of sh- i don't know if it's shame but you feel like Embarrassment, uh, just different emotions, like you said, and and obviously, you know, I didn't, I haven't gone through anything like like you have gone through, um, you know, knock on wood yet. Um, but when you, you know, when I look at your, and I don't know how much you would be willing to talk about, Kim, and I don't want to just talk about, you know, your personal story. You could share whatever you want, but you know, when I think about you, and I, and I go back, and your kids went to my school. Great kids, awesome. Got to know. Anna, very well. Um, Daniel got to know a little bit. You know, you when we looked at, not we, but when I look at your family, I'm like, wow, man, they have it all figured out. Things are going well. And, and then, you know, you probably were feeling a lot like that too. What point, you know, and I only ask you this because if anyone listens to this, maybe some parents, maybe that are going through something like this could relate to it, um, you know, was there a point in in the you know in like Daniel's childhood or, or something where you were like, all right, it, something is not right, and you had a, you had your suspicions maybe, but like how do you go how did you go from this like really nice like everything's hunky dory to, oh crap like there's issues.
1: I- right so again thank you to my family for letting me be very very open and honest about everything that happened um because i can tell you that we so we have the two kids as you mentioned we have daniel and anna they're three years apart daniel's older um and honestly anna had the had had our attention the most when it came to cons- concerns yeah because when she was very young she was diagnosed with um ocd and then tourette syndrome and her dad Michael, who is also um, a neurologist, yeah. also has Tourette's syndrome. So we were kind of like all around Tourette's, like mm-hmm. understanding it. You know, um, she was in treatment for it over for a long time. And then she had some other challenges, like with depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Again, thank you, Anna, for letting me talk about this. Yeah. But, and she, she was open about it in school. She would help her classmates to understand why she t- had ticks? why yeah. some of her medications made her sleepy and things like that. She wanted to educate people. So I think I learned a lot from her, frankly. Um, Daniel was a breeze as far as we were concerned. I'm sure he would tell you <laughs> I had social anxiety. I had, you know, as as every one of us did when we were those ages. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was our mascot. I now understand what that term is. He was our family mascot. He wanted he was so supportive of Anna he was um, her cheerleader, her her stand-up comedian. He was all of that, and we really didn't see problems with him until he was a senior in high school. It was the first time that we knew he got high. Wow! The first time he actually got high, he was thirteen.
0: Okay, now, so that's a five-year, well, four yeah. to five-year well, gap. That's
1: a lot. I just told you his dad's a physician. I was like the joiner parent, you know that. I yeah. was the home and school president. Yeah, it's Simmons. not like you were
0: I sitting was... at home not involved. <laughs> no <laughs> exactly. one's gonna say that about you.
1: No, I was not only involved with school, I was involved with them. I mean, yeah. Daniel was a musician, he played the drums. So everybody was at our house because you can't take a drum kit everywhere. So in my office was downstairs where the music was. And so I was always there with him and his friends. I still didn't know anything yeah. until we was 18. And he was about to go off to the University of Arizona. Mm. And it was like, what are we going to? And we thought for sure it was an isolated incident. We really didn't have a clue. Yeah. And so when he went off to school, things um, escalated dramatically. He was 2, 2,500 miles away. Yeah. We would see him after long periods of time because he was so far. He would just come home for ho- major holidays. And we could see this dramatic change in him. And it was terrifying. Yeah. And it was not Our Daniel, you know, and it just was, it was a really, really rough time. Um, It was really when he was 21, Mm -hmm. after he was no longer at the University of Arizona, because this is what happens when you start using a lot of substances is obviously some people can keep their grades up. Some people can be very functional, you know, but it caught up with them for sure. And so he was no longer in school. He was living back home with us. It was just, you know, I don't want to paint too dark a picture because of, I out of respect for him, but it yeah, was rough.
0: For sure, I understand.
1: And, you know, it was thanks to, to two of his friends from high school who I know you probably know. Um, yeah. and they, uh, they came to us and came to me. One of them called me on my cell phone and said, um, we're really worried about Daniel's drug use. And so they participated in our intervention with wow. a professional interventionist. Um, thank God Daniel agreed to go to treatment. Um, one of those guys almost 13 years later well it will be 13 years by then Daniel's getting married in June and um his friend is going to be the DJ at their at their ceremony That's awesome. in Boulder in Boulder Colorado <laughs> yeah so um this this is these are friends for life friends who saved his life yeah um because by this time Michael and I knew things were looking bad I mean we we knew he was getting high we knew some things yeah. but we only knew that this is a, what happens a lot for us with parents we know the tip of the iceberg. We, we find something out. We want to believe what they're telling us. That's not my pipe. I, you know, whatever, like, you know, we want to believe it and they need us to believe it so that they can keep going. Yeah. So they get really have to get good at, you know, kind of pulling the wool over our eyes. So it just was that perfect storm. And we like, we're like, okay. And then we didn't know until his friend called and said, here's all the stuff I saw him using. And and what he had just bought from his dealer and it blew my mind.
0: Never in your wildest dreams, you would imagine what he was actually using.
1: Not to that extent. No, we are so indebted to these guys. These two were 22 years old at the time. They're a year ahead of Daniel in college in Philly. And just, I, I, I will never be able to thank them enough. And I get choked up every time I think about it. Um, And we sprung into action and got really lucky with finding an interventionist and he agreed to go to treatment and he's been sober ever since. I mean, that's, that's not usually the case. And I'm not, he's like a special, special. It's just, he, he, he was ready. I think he didn't think he was ready. He didn't have any desire to go to treatment. Believe me, he didn't want to go, but he went. And we immediately, Michael and I immediately got into support groups and trying to understand this and we've had so much um so many dear friends that we've met along the way and we've yeah. have friends who've lost their children Daniel's lost friends yeah. to overdose deaths and it's um it's a very dubious gift of a journey yeah. that we've been on I
0: I can't imagine um I know that I know that it was a lot um I I know that I saw lots of pictures and, um, you know, following him on Facebook, and, and he, he looks so happy, and I was always so happy for you and your family, and it almost seems like nothing ever happened, but it did, you know, and that's like, uh, you know, I've always been so happy for him and for you all that, that things worked out the way that did they did for sure. Um, like you even said, like a lot of times, I guess, you know, kids or adults will go, for an intervention or go for treatment and it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know what the percentages are but it seems like a lot of people um, are back in rehabilitation several mm-hmm. times. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so great to see him now that he he's thriving, living like out in Colorado and it's like you see him now and, and some like black cloud came in at some point but went away and it's like the thing that I think about now is like knowing your story but looking at You know, I teach in high school and there's other dark clouds that are looming above now and are following families and following kids. And it's like, how, like, how do they, what have you learned in in your time with, be a part of the conversation of like, how can you find those black clouds or how can you, you know, how can you spot things earlier? Like what more, if you put it this way, what would you have done differently if you knew everything that you know now, you know, 13, 14 years ago, like, and maybe it's nothing. But I'm just mm-hmm. curious, what would you tell parents?
1: We, we get this question all the time. And um, I've asked Daniel that question, what could we have done differently? And we have panelists who are in recovery like Daniel and, and they often get asked, what could your parents have done differently? Everybody wants the silver bullet yeah. to make sure it doesn't happen to their kid, right? Yeah um and daniel will be very gracious because he has worked a program and say there's nothing my parents did wrong it's all on me you know and Mm i'm like well that's lovely thanks sweetie but no the reality is there's a lot we could have done differently um i had a very cavalier attitude about things like cannabis i didn't i personally didn't like it you know tried it in college i couldn't i didn't get what it was all about of course back then it was extremely different than it is today yeah Uh, very very different potency and all that but i just believed as most people do that it's pretty innocuous. It's not a huge deal. It's what kids do. It's actually not what most kids do. Hmm. And it's not innocuous. And if you have a family history, if you have any underlying mental health challenges, if you've had any trauma, um, things like that can be risk factors. And so I wish I understood more of that. I also wish I did less lecturing and more listening because once we did become aware of his use, mm-hmm. um I, you know, we just were sitting him down. We would feel like we had this great conversation. Michael and I, you know, his dad and I did all the talking. Yeah. Michael and I were always on the same page with this stuff, so we we thought we were handling it so well. and yeah. then then the conversation would be like, that went well, don't you think? And then the next day we're like right back in the soup. Yeah. and so I wish I had, um, listened more as been curious, you know, why are you so passionate about something that alters your mood?
2: Hmm.
1: You know, would you like to talk to somebody about that? Because I don't fully understand it. So would be happy to have you see somebody that you could talk to about this, like why you keep doing this, even though bad things are happening. So my, my favorite go-to definition of addiction is continued use despite negative consequences.
0: Let me Same let me say that again. Continued use despite
1: continued use despite, despite. negative consequences. Say Why is that you, your go?
0: Why is that your go-to?
1: It makes sense to me. It could, because um, it doesn't have to just be drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. It can be gambling. It can be um, shopping. Like if I need to rip the tag off of something to feel good about my day. Mm-hmm. now i'm like in debt but i keep doing it it's continued use despite negative consequences i've had if i've had three DUIs, and i'm still drinking it's continued use despite negative consequences so for the person who doesn't have hasn't hasn't crossed that line to alcohol use disorder substance use disorder they're able to say like oh my god i felt i feel so sick because i drank so much last night doing that again. And they don't do it again. Yeah. Imagine that, <laughs> you know,
2: Yeah,
1: that's not somebody who has an alcohol use disorder, you know? I mean, so that's why I I like, I think it's a simple, there are a million different definitions that are very complex. Um, it is considered, uh, addiction is considered chronic and real ha- It has a lot of relapse involved with it. Um, as do a lot of things like diabetes and hypertension and heart disease. Um, but it, um, yeah, it, yeah. And that was absolutely what was happening. So I wish I had been curious about the continued use because we want to say, don't you see what you're doing? Yeah. They can't because once once they have truly developed an addiction, their brain is kind of hijacked. Okay. You know, it's like their their mindset is this helps me. This is. You know, I know I hear this all the time, especially with young people with regard to cannabis use. This is taking me out of my, you know, my um, anxiety. It's helping me to sleep. It's helping me this. Well, sure, it does. So does a shot of vodka will help you with your anxiety. It's not sustainable and it's not treating anything. It's just masking it. So, you know, after time when this is your only go to and you're not really, Looking in the mirror, doing the interpersonal work, um, the chances are it's going to just continue to, you know, continue to uh, uh, escalate potentially. Yeah. And
0: about you know, it's it's funny. I I see like, um, I don't know. I've n- so the thing with marijuana, cannabis, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know. It, it's been so. It, it's been weird the last like maybe twenty years. Like so, here's what I've seen. I grew up and my parents did it and I was always around it. I I think like everyone they knew did it. Um, It was just a thing. And I grew up despising it and knowing that I despise it. And I've never tried it. And I feel like, I feel like whenever I say that to like, whether it's students or anyone, they're like, yeah, right. Mr. Shields. Sure. Never have. And I'm not like, it's not a, it's not a badge of honor or anything like that. Um, But I've always kind of just been, anti that a little bit, but it seems like in the last like 10, 15 years, there has been a movement to like, Oh, it's not bad. It's great. It's, it helps everything. You should even give it to your dogs. It'll help you sleep. It'll help your art. Your arthritis will be gone. Every, so I don't like, there's a lot of like cloudiness and confusion. Um, and I don't know, It, it it's not a problem for me. Like I'm never going to, I'm never going to do it unless someone forces me to, in, in some bad situation. But, um, you know, I I wonder about kids, if they're getting a confused message, you know, who's who's promoting that? Eh, it's okay. It's a, you know, there's cannabis stores popping up everywhere. It's getting legalized. And a lot of people are super excited about that. And, and you know, plenty of people I know, there's, oh yeah, we got to legalize all this. I'm just like, we do? Why? <laughs> so I don't understand it. Um, what's your take on all that? Uh-huh.
1: Oh, it's so fascinating. <laughs> it is so fascinating. You know, it's so interesting, Joe, because we can... <laughs> when we're on social media talking about opioids or alcohol yeah. or benzodiazepines or psychostimulants, people are like, Oh yeah, it's terrible with the, you know, this, the heroin and, eh. you know, they all, they're all like with us. Yeah. If we say anything <laughs> about being cautious around cannabis, it's like, Hey, don't you touch my weed? Yeah. Like, you know, There's yeah. so much vitriol around it. And it's like, okay, let's find some balance here. Yeah. So let me just say that, um much like alcohol i am not concerned about someone who is over the age of i'm going to say 25 because that's yeah. when our frontal lobe is fully developed that's right revenue, roughly around <laughs>
2: yeah
1: it's a it's actually a little older for for males but it's around 25 to 28 that the frontal lobe is fully developed okay if you're over that age and you haven't been using these substances before and you're able to have a beer mm-hmm. a glass of wine a drink occasionally and you're not you know, glorifying it in front of your kids and you're not driving while you're you're under the influence, go for it, you yeah. know, I feel the same way about cannabis. However, the fact the 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 notion that it's this panacea to help with sleep, Good stress, yeah. you know, PTSD, I mean we have twenty three medical conditions in Pennsylvania that can get you. medical marijuana card yeah i would challenge you to not find something on that list that you could say (laughs) yeah i have that you know what i I mean um and the reality is there are no long-term longitudinal double-blind peer-reviewed studies of this high potency thc that's that's in medical marijuana dispensaries and on the street and everywhere else um we don't know what 80% THC is doing to brains. We Mm. sure don't know what it's doing to a developing adolescent brain. And, you know, I'm, what I'm concerned, and I I absolutely believe in social justice. I absolutely believe in decriminalizing, but that has become so conflated with legalization and they're different things, Mm. you know? So I'm really not pro or con legalization. I'm really, I really am not. I mean, I don't believe we need another legalized, Substance that alters your mood because we already have nicotine and alcohol that are killing more people than opioids every year. Okay. Because of related yeah. health conditions. Um, you know, with heart disease, with emphysema, with cancer, you know, all these things that come from alcohol use and tobacco and, you know, nicotine. Um, so now here comes cannabis and it's the same playbook. Yeah. It's the it's the marketing of it, it's the back in the day when um you know the joe camel with the cigarettes you know like make fun for kids the doctor in the lab coat like i smoke you know marlboro or whatever it was i mean yes nicotine it reduces your you know uh, it feels like it's reducing your stress even though it's a stimulant um but but there's money to be made because it's highly addictive yeah And it's the same playbook. And it's, by the way, all the the tobacco companies are buying up the cannabis industry. You know, like, so it's Altria. It's not a mom and pop. It's it's not um, minority communities as much as we would like to see them doing well in some entrepreneurship. That's not what is happening. The big tobacco companies that are buying this stuff up.
0: Hmm. I
1: must
0: say, I must say, I, um, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I must say I do know Joe Camel well. Uh, my mom worked for R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company when I was a child, and I had mm, sixteen pairs of Camel Joe shorts and shirts. I had the whole lineup, like all through high school. That's I would wear them inside out because I didn't like smoking and I hated it, but it was just what I had to wear. So I actually gave them out to my friends too. So I'm I'm very aware of uh, Joe Camel. <laughs> Kind of weird little story there, but, um, you know, Kim, I think like, I don't want, you know, you can get into a debate about weed or cannabis, marijuana all day and whether it's good, bad, blah, blah. I feel like a lot of the people that say, well, I need it. It makes me feel good. They were already doing it before they had that ailment, but the ailment just kind of fits in there. And that's cool. I don't care. Like, I, like I said, I don't, no shame. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't judge one way or the other. Right. What, what I do want to talk a little bit God about.
1: God knows I don't
0: judge. <laughs> no, I don't, I? <laughs> I don't care. I, re- I mean, you know, I do care if, you know, if kids are doing, getting into things. This doesn't seem like a good path. But like I said, there's so much misinformation and it's like, is it okay? Is it this and that? You know, I'm giving it to my dog for her arthritis. It must be. I don't know. Um, there's just a lot of confusion out there. But would a lot of, I think, would an organization like like yours be a part of the conversation? Like I would like to come to you as a parent, and and I think any parents that that listen to you or listen to your organization or listening to this podcast right now, what do kids? What do we have to worry about as parents right now? Like what's the what's the new thing? What are the latest trends in middle school, high school? My son told me, uh, that, that, I think it was like a few weeks ago that somebody got in a lot of trouble, and he's in elementary school for vaping, and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a little surprised. I mean, it almost, it just seems odd that that would even be, I, I, I'm sure there's ways to get access to that. So it's not even high school, middle school. Like we're, we're already looking at it down there a little bit. It, it's a, he's exposed to that in elementary school. And I'm like, geez. So what, do you, what are you seeing? Like, what are the, what do parents, you know, like, what are the new drugs? What are kids doing? I mean, I work at a high school. I have my suspicions, but I'm curious to hear what you think is going on.
1: Yeah. Well, you you touched on a vaping is huge. I mean, that has changed the game dramatically, you know, um, all the efforts, the prevention efforts over the years to to get kids away from combustible tobacco cigarettes have worked, you know, kids have not been smoking, you know, Paul malls and no, they don't smoke Yeah. It's dramatically decreased. And then along came, um, you know, these e-cigarettes and the intention, at least the the purported intention initially, was harm reduction so if you're an adult who's smoking those cigarettes and you want to cut back or quit that you could use these e-cigarettes and it's it was supposed to be safer and a way to get you away from this cancer causing you know tobacco product um but what they figured out very quickly unless it was actually already in the game plan but they figured it out very quickly was it was extremely alluring to young people so if and I smoked cigarettes when I was in, you know, high school and college. A little, not a lot, but I, yeah, but I did. And I thought it was cool. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be cool, so I was smoking those disgusting, <laughs> nasty-smelling things yeah. because I thought it was cool. Guess how cool an e-cigarette is compared to that? I mean, my God, who who doesn't want that? You know, it's it's just, um, yeah. it's so tempting. And they had all those flavors, um, which they now can no longer do, but they're also now having these disposables because they found a loophole in the legal, you know, constrictions around yeah. it. So there's something called Lucy sticks hmm. that are being found on playgrounds and everything because they, they're like flavors like pink lemonade, they're disposable. So they don't fall under the same um, category as a jewel or something where like do that. They get,
0: so, where do you get those? Where would someone get those?
1: You know, in, in a um, Wawa, oh, you really? know, anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have, you're supposed to be 21. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying where you know, do they get siblings and where do they get alcohol? You know, it's the same place yeah. they, they get, it, you right. know, um, and some of this stuff you can get online. Um, mm. So CD products are definitely available online, but also a lot of THC, like, like there's Delta eight Delta 10. So these are things that here in Pennsylvania are, they're in smoke shops, they're in gas stations, you know, these, these are hemp Drive products. So those are very, very um alluring to young people. They come in gummies. You can get them online. All you have to do when you're online is check a box that says I'm over 21. Oh,
0: well, that's a pretty that's, good system to um that's a
1: great system ensure. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So so that's a huge trend. And what's really worrisome about that is. You know, nicotine is one of our most addictive substances. If you know anybody who's trying to quit smoking,
2: yeah.
1: it's really tough. Nicotine is like it's you're it's you know you're constantly dosing, yeah. So you're really addicted to it, and sure. you get super anxious when you're not doing it. So you think it's helping you with your anxiety, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, very
0: it tricks you.
1: It's very tricky, and so that's what's really disappointing is seeing how many kids are now moving actually toward tobacco cigarettes. Because they want more of a throat hit, they want hmm. more punch in their smoking. Um, but those nicotine salts that are in e-cigarettes, when you buy the e-juice, you can get really concentrated nicotine, and um, there's so much nicotine in one of those pods, even okay. you know, in the cartridges and stuff. So um, that's a big shift. Yeah. And then the other piece with what what we're seeing, you know, COVID has rocked everybody's world, of course. This, and I don't have to tell you the yeah. stress and anxiety around for young people, what they went through, you know, in 2020 and, and, onward, um, has really been challenging. And so we, we actually have a program coming up with HEPA Horsham, um, in, I think April, uh, that we're, we're talking about, um, kind of, we're talking about process addictions. So is it your phone? What are you, you know, what is it mm. that is your numbing device? What takes you out of your head? when your head is is like feeling very jumbled and stressed and too much is happening um is it is it tiktok is it um is it vaping is it um spending money is it yeah. sex is it techno is it gaming you know gaming my god and oh, gambling yeah. you know uh, sports betting like just there's there's so many things that you know, throughout history, if, you know, since yeah. berries, the bushes and fermented, we have looked for ways to feel different, yeah. you know? Yeah. And,
0: and so it's not going away.
1: Yeah. That's the, that's the worry.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you know, if you go like, you know, in any high school, I'm sure, I, I don't know any high school, but I've been to several high schools and if there's definitely sometimes when you look in the boys' bathroom and there's a certain way you're supposed to sit if you're sitting on the toilet. And if you always see sideways feet, it's like, "Well, what are you doing in there?" So it's like and and oftentimes bathrooms will smell like cotton candy, and um also and I know it's I know it's not their deodorant. So, and you know, you you it's just how do we even is it even something like are there any schools out there in the country that manage it better than others because it's so is inconspicuous the word? I don't know, but it's just like, unless you're patting them down, which you can't really do, it's so easy to, to do. And it's almost untraceable. Like, so right. what, what are, what can schools even do to, to slow that down or prevent it?
1: Yeah. Inconspicuous is the right word. It's very, very inconspicuous. Yeah. You can, because it's a vapor. It's, it's yeah. not a water vapor there's a lot of chemicals in it but it's not smoke yeah. you know so yeah, they like kind of exhale into their sleeve or into their backpack or something like that um and there yeah there can be a smell but not always yeah. um so so some schools that we know of and i don't think you guys have them but some schools have like detectors in the bathrooms that uh-huh. they put in that are specifically for vaping devices they uh-huh. can they can sense them and will alert I don't know if they alert the main office or what. Um, So there are some of those kinds of things. Um, You know, I haven't heard any like, oh, this is it. This is the thing that's going to make it all go away. I mean, I have many brilliant ideas there, but yeah, that's about the only thing I know of are some of these sensors.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Um, even if, even if you did put a security guard in the, in the bathroom and one of those detectors, kids will just do it in the hallway or the stairwell, whatever it's, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. So absolutely. Well, and, and, Sorry. No, go ahead. I was
1: just going to say. So, getting back to like kind of what our what our goal is, you know, our programs. You you were part of a a thing we did. We're actually doing something tomorrow morning where we're talking. We have some workshops for kids, but for the most part, our audience is not young people. It's it's the the scaffolding around that young person. So it's the parents, the educators, you know, the healthcare professionals, and this is where I think you know parents really kind of come into this is. Um, again those the attitudes the um you know not that if we parents believe that all kids do this and my, by the way that was exactly what daniel said to me everybody gets high mom and you know he really believed that I'm like i didn't know any different and i now know that they do not all get high they no, do not all think underage. yeah um and but you believe you know perception is everything yeah. right so if you want to feel validated in doing this stuff, you're going to surround yourself with people who are doing it naturally. Right. Um, and so what we like to talk to parents about is like those reality checks, like, no, not everyone is doing this, but also put the oxygen mask on yourself first, when you find out that something is going on, you know, like, don't panic because what we hear from kids when we talk to kids is, my parents freaked out, you know, they just freaked out. They lost it. Well, that's not productive, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I get it because it's fear and we do get upset really quickly. And we start the lecture, we start to wanting to shut it down. And like, what are you thinking? Don't you realize? And the sky is falling and you're going to go to jail you're never going to get into college, you yeah, know, and all that stuff it's crazy. And, you know, again, like just to be calm and say, you know, get, go after the why, you know, what is it doing for you? You know, why do you feel like this is a good idea? Um, they always want to know who, where, what. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Kind of not that important. It's really why, you know? And, um, and so that's why we like to talk to parents to help them understand the risk factors that are involved What they, how they, and we give them this kind of, um, we have a handout that's like got these three buckets. Is it bucket A, which is experimentation. Mm -hmm. You, You have a little mini intervention kind of a thing like this. This is not okay with us. We need to be clear that this is, you know, we don't want you drinking at this age. Um, And then, or is it bucket B where it's still happening? And then we're bucket C where even though there've been a lot of consequences, they've lost their phone, they've lost their privileges and they're still doing this. Now it's time for a professional to to maybe do an assessment, get some counseling. Therapy is not punishment. Therapy is a very loving thing to offer your child. Um, So, so there are ways for parents to lay the foundation for also not even even way before they find anything out is happening with their child, to not use derogatory language about even a public figure mm. who has to fall from grace. You know, so if some celebrity gets a DUI or gets busted for something or whatever, to not call them a train wreck, to not, you know, yeah be negative about that. Because if our child thinks that is our attitude about somebody either struggling with substances or using substances how honest are they going to be? We're going to drive them further underground, Hmm. you know? So we we can start
0: early actually.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I mean, what what do we, what can we do in, in, in schools? Like, I mean, you know, like I I work in a high school and I see there's definitely kids that, you know, are into some stuff and it's like, man, if you really know, you can refer them and you know, there's, there's certain programs in high schools, like SAP, or I think at the high school that I'm at, we changed the name of it recently, but um, you know, you have some guidance counselors, are super busy, like, what is what would be the ideal situation? You know, what would, if you were in charge of, you know, community, or let's just say a school district, is there anything that you think you, if, if resources were unlimited, or if you said, hey, school district, here's what we really can do to prevent to treat um some of the issues related to substance abuse is there like do you have this proposal written up but you're like man we just don't have an extra million i could fix it you know kim porter has the answer the porter method whatever and i don't i don't know because i think if you even had something it's it's almost like well like kids are still going to hide and not not go to those things anyway i'm i'm just curious like is there is there something that we could do more if there were more resources? Is it just hiring more yeah. counselors or hiring? Because <laughs> it's confusing and it's it's hard to hard to solve.
1: So we know what doesn't work are, and I hate to say this because I know they still happen, but it's okay. assembly assemblies on really intense topics. Like having, and again, I I have so much respect for people I know who have stood in front of hundreds of high school students and told their harrowing story of the loss of their child. Um, I respect those folks for making these efforts. They don't want another child to have to go through, another family to have to go through what they did. Right. There's so much research, Jim, that says that is not effective.
0: Yeah, I believe it. In
1: some cases we're traumatizing kids with this.
0: I believe that too.
1: is we're triggering kids who have had a loved one in their family go through the same thing. And then they're in an assembly. Mm-hmm. So, and we had kids tell us this too, you know, I'm sitting next to my buddy. I said, assembly is a break in the day for me. It's not a time for me to like get serious. I'm yeah. like, I'm forced around. I'm going to mock somebody. I'm going to, whatever. That's and what it's kids just, do. yeah. unfortunately. And so um, what, we, what we know is the best outcomes are com- coming from peer support, you have your link crew, you yeah. have that, that, that kind of stuff is beautiful. So, so peer discussions, um, hmm. bringing in people in small groups for workshops, okay. like what we're doing tomorrow morning, um, things like that, where there's someone who, um, is not threatening to them it feels like a safe space you know yeah to me yeah in a perfect world this, this you know utopian school <laughs> would be um therapy for everyone no i don't know i mean because in yeah. the no that's true is, that's
0: that hey you're allowed to say that i'm really looking for
1: thank you thank you. you mental health should be like yeah. dental hygiene mental hygiene Oh, I love the Check up from the neck up. I, the, I did not make that up. My friend Mike Blanche says that. Oh, my goodness. If you just made those hygiene.
0: up, like you needed to take that to market no, immediately. I wish. That's two I great wish, lines no. you just said there. No. Very he's catchy. our
1: clinical advisor. He's our, he's a, he's a um, check up
0: from the neck up. <laughs> yeah, that's good.
1: Check cool. up from the neck up, mental hygiene. Yeah. You go every six months, hopefully, to get your teeth cleaned. Yeah. And all that. Why wouldn't you go every six months to see somebody? That's and the therapist could say to you, "So last time we talked, you were really struggling with your mom. How's that working out? You know, like yeah. why don't we do that? Our mental health drives everything. It drives our physical health. Oops. I mean, our brain is part of our body. You know, <laughs> I yeah, mean, it is. everything. And there just aren't enough resources. You know, and you're in a district that's got some means. There's some. You yeah. know, it's not um, without resources, certainly, but there are so many places where there's just no attention or priority given to mental wellness. And And, probably
0: more stressors in the, in some of those areas.
1: Oh God. Yes. Of course. Yes. Just, um, chronic trauma (laughs) and just, you know, it's constant. Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is strange. It's like, um, I don't know. It's, you know, I've talked to a therapist before throughout my life, different things here and there. My children are all have been or are in therapy for different, you know, different situations. Um, sometimes though, and it's interesting, you said like peer groups, like sometimes for me, even, um, you know, when I talk with small peer groups, um, in link crew or, or whatever group I'm with. Getting into some topics with kids that you build a relationship with and they trust you and and you trust them, I find that myself, I leave those discussions that may be an hour and 20 minutes long sometimes, or let's say an hour. I feel better. Like I feel that it was therapeutic and I know that they do as well. So it's like, I guess my my question would be that obviously there is a place for trained therapists, counselors. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm wondering, like, knowing that the way that I know students feel when we have those little, you know, deep discussions about our lives and how we feel, not always deep, but just our feelings, you leave feeling yeah. relieved and a little bit less stressed, sometimes a lot less stressed. Um, and I, you know, I've talked to countless students over the years that, that have um, talked to me about this. So it's like, I, I guess the thing is, like, I'm always wondering, like, what more can I do as a leader? What more can I do knowing that I already have a system set up at my school, a peer group for all freshmen? You know, it's like, we really don't, we really don't tie into that too much. And I'm kind of like wondering after talking to you and and thinking about some things like how we can do that a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that there's an answer right now, but it's Mm -hmm. something to think about, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Well and I I like what you you made me think of something that that we've talked about and we have a program actually for parents of K through five kids
0: okay
1: have, have you had the conversation and with that and, and a few others that are kind of for those earlier years we talk about emotional vocabulary hmm. and this came from Sarah Carner oh, Sarah Karner. she's I read, great she, I,
0: I've been working she, with her I don't know if you knew that or not but no she started, I didn't
1: know maybe I knew that
0: she started um we had a meeting this summer and she's like, hey, I love you doing link crew. She said, you know, I want to meet, I want to do some leadership program at the elementary school and pilot it with you guys. So we meet twice a month. Either we, we bring our kids over to, um, crooked billet or she mm-hmm. brings her, um, fifth grade group over to uh, the high school. And we do all sorts of different things. We have a topic for each day that we meet and just try to, you know, Learn from each other and and have good experiences. But anyway, she's amazing, doing a great job. Shout out! to Yes, Sarah. she
1: is. And she she said this to me one time that you know, in the absence of emotional vocabulary, we have emotional behavior. You know, so when so uh, we have we actually came up with this sheet of, of emotional vocabulary words, and we have it at, uh, when we have our programs in person when we're not on Zoom. When we have them in person, they have a handout. It's on our website too we recommend like, just putting this on your fridge and once in a while, just like picking a word and saying like, what do you think it means to feel misunderstood? Hmm. What do you think it means to feel elated? You know? And, and we talk with parents a lot about like, if our child says to us, you know, I'm worried about grandma. Mm-hmm. My first reaction is to say like, don't worry, sweetie, she's going to be okay. They just told me they're worried,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And I'm saying, stop having that emotion. Yeah. You know. So like kind of lean into it, you know. Yeah, so I, like I think that. that what what adults in your role educators can do is to model a lot of this. Um you just a little while ago shared that you are not into getting high on canvas. I hope to God that all of your students know that because you're a role model for them. Yeah. You know, so they might make some assumptions that aren't true, you know. And so also to say to be vulnerable as an adult male, yeah. and to, to be and to use emotional vocabulary, is a beautiful thing to model. Um, and another thing that we like to talk about is um, we rather than a lot of times adults when we have friends over. This is not necessarily the teachers, but just in the family home. Um, when our friends, adult friends, come over right in front of the kids, will say like, "Hey, what can I get you to drink?" The second they walk in the door, or we mm. might pour a beer or a glass of wine and yeah. say. I've had such a really you know and stressful day. Instead to say, I've had such a stressful day, I'm gonna go out and take a walk. Do you wanna come with me? You know, and model that like this is what I do for stress.
2: Wow, that's this is what I great. do
1: to decompress, you know. Um, and the same with screens and technology.
0: Oh my gosh, you we know, didn't even touch that to yet. Say,
1: I am sick of looking at screens. Can you know, do you wanna go play cards with me or do you wanna? Um, you know, you want me to teach you how to knit? I don't know, whatever, yeah. like just yeah. something that doesn't, and let's, let's take the dog outside, whatever it anything, is, you yeah. know, just anything, but to articulate that, to say, I am, I can't look at a screen for another minute or, yeah. you know, um, just what I'm going to do in a healthful way to take care of myself.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny you mention. I love those tips, by the way. I, I, it just makes me think of a way to do that. And I do think I'll check out your, what is your website by the way? Cause I want to check it out and definitely print that out, but is it just be a part of the
1: conversation.com? z o n e is our website.
0: Conversation.zone.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: it. Okay. I'm waiting for a.com and it's not coming. Okay. No, conversation. it's
1: conversation.zone. <laughs> wow. There are, there are suffixes that aren't com or net or org or edu.
0: And one of them is zone. zone. That's cool. Yep. Um, You know, it'd be a a separate show, but cell phones, um, (laughs) depends who you talk to. Um, but at the high school, any high school, it's not like it's special where I work. It's the same everywhere. Um, middle schools, it's so hard to, um, for many teachers to garner the attention or gain the attention of students because you're competing with something that's way more fun usually than anything you could possibly say. And I'll be honest, I think I do some fun stuff sometimes. And it's it's hard to compete. And it, and the only way sometimes that I feel like in some of the classes that I teach, um, the only way that I can really truly immerse them in the experience is to not have them at all and to collect them. And, and I have a little thing in my outdoor class and I say it's for safety, but honestly, it's just because I want you to be present. Um, and I feel like that's not good enough. Like we have to make something up to say, I just want you to be here with me for this hour. I just want you to hear, you know, I've been around a little while. I, I've learned some things. I want to teach them to you. I want you.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I see a lot of, you know, I, and I see a lot of other teachers. I don't really struggle with it, but I just see it a lot. I see it in a lot of other classrooms that are probably teaching academic subjects that kids aren't 100% into school or maybe not even 50% into school. And it's a struggle. Um, So I don't know what the answer is. I feel like there'd be a revolution if we ever came up with those like um, lock boxes for them or or something like that. But I know there's schools out there that do it. Um, I don't know. It just feels like kids, kids are not using cell phones to educate themselves as far as I can see. Maybe they're bettering their, you know, their skills like in social media and how to use TikTok, but they're really just watching videos and playing games and not paying attention a lot of the day. So I don't know. I mean, that's another form of addiction. It has to be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, so, what do you have anything so to say you, about that, Kim?
1: <laughs> I got a lot to say about that. Oh, so first of all, they're not using your cell phone as a phone. <laughs> That's for true. sure. Never, <laughs> it's ever. Not a phone. No. Especially for somebody under 25. It's not a phone. So um, true. it's a computer, it's a mini computer. And we, so the program that I just had tonight with our speaker was called Um Kids in the Tech Life Balance. Okay. And it addresses exactly this. So it's very fresh in my mind. Oh, good. Um yeah. So back to that utopian school. <laughs> oh, goodie. <laughs> there would be no cell phones. Yeah. There would be no cell phones. I mean
0: and it's a great also, thing.
1: I am so dependent on this stinking thing. I really am dependent on my phone and I hate that, I that I am. Um, and I'm not on TikTok, but I use it for way too much. And yeah. I, it, thank God for it though. GPS, there are many, it's not all evil. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, G, what would we do without GPS? What would we do without, you know, hear, our, hearing from our loved ones if they need something, for whatever. Sure. So there are lots of good things about it. Um, but in the kids, you know, the Gen Z kids are tech natives. You know, we're you and I are tech immigrants, you yeah. know, they're tech natives. And so um it is it is like an appendage, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of feels like it's become one for me as well. Yeah, but
0: me too sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I know of a few programs that work with adolescents in in the treatment world, and um the kids can't have their their phones with them and they love it. Mm-hmm. they love it they once they once they get over once they're detoxed yeah, and, and detox, it, that's true yeah. there's a detox for sure um but in in this therapist act that does our did our program tonight talks about the fact that he can't even put his phone on silent now because when the kids are in the he has a young person who's a client and they hear it vibrating mm-hmm. it triggers them like oh do you have to get that so he, now he puts it on airplane mode mm-hmm. so that nothing's happening yeah. you know, because they're just even the vibrate is like you know, distracting and triggering in some ways. So, um, you know, Oh God. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's not going away. We're not going to not have them 10 years yeah. from now. God knows what we're going to have 10 years from now, but um, I know. it's moderation. It is like, you know, and then the what question that comes up so much too for parents is when, when do I do the, the, when am I the vigilante who says you've been on it too long? It's time to take a break or yeah. You know, turn in your phone, and when do they figure out how to moderate? You know, how to how to self-assess their use because there are, you know, the phone can now tell you how many hours you're spending, and it's often interesting if you ask a a young person how many hours do you think you're on it if they haven't looked at that. You know, how many hours they're almost always underestimating it. I think any of us probably do. Yes.
0: You know, I've done it too, and I've been off, and I'm like, ooh, okay need to check that yeah right
1: so it's it's a it's a good practice to kind of look at that and kind of have it almost like a negotiation with them to say like how many how many do you think you should be out how many hours do you think you should be on it and let them sort of say like yeah i do need to cut back i have to believe most kids don't want to recognize how many hours they've been on it and are not happy about it probably probably i I don't know i think a lot of them
0: are addicted and are just like it's oh, just really fun to scroll up and watch every single TikTok and their friends. I mean, there's so much um so many options of, of fun yeah. things to do other than learn about, you know, Jean Piaget or some like whatever right. some psychologist I know. or society.
1: I don't know. I think there are some kids who are using it for that stuff too, but, but I also think that, you know, I think another good thing to point out is, I don't know if you saw on Netflix, the social dilemma.
0: I did. Oh yeah. I I saw a couple of times. So well done. Yeah. It was amazing. I was
1: fascinating with, oh my God. Very
0: accurate and and science-based.
1: Yeah, totally. And look at those algorithms, like how, you know, you look at YouTube and YouTube's, I think YouTube's great. There's so much you can learn how to do anything on YouTube. Yep. On the other hand, yeah. you can learn how to do anything. <laughs> you YouTube you know, know what I'm saying? Occurs. Yes, um, but there are all these prompts over to your right that say, "How about this? How about this? How about this?" And you keep watching and watching and watching. And I think if you, when you're talking to a young person, to say, "Like, how do you feel about being manipulated by the man?" Because that's exactly what's happening. Is you know, nobody in their youth wants well, None of us, I guess, but yeah. especially a young person doesn't want to believe some corporate overlord is manipulating them and that's kind of what's happening with these oh, yeah. algorithms and i mean that's what how TikTok and snapchat and all this stuff works yep. is just reading how you pause when you're scrolling and all of that it's it's yeah. pretty intimidating to me but
0: but it's it's too late i mean i i feel like you know you, like you said um yeah. digital exactly. natives they don't know any different i mean my son he got one of these things these 3d things it's called an oculus and he's in another world. Literally. I don't even know if if you know about that yet. Um, it's, I didn't know about it either. Um, he's 14 and he puts it on. It's a headset. It's by meta, you know, Facebook and it's really cool. But I mean, I do worry sometimes and, and, you know, Jen and I, my wife, we, and she says, hi, by the way, she loves you. She always has. Um, (laughs) she said she, um, you know, we had these conversations like, all right, what are the parameters here? What are the limits? Cause he's doing really good in school. He's doing really good in wrestling. He's so busy. And it's like his little break, but we watch him in there and it's like, he's really in another world. And I think a lot of his friends are doing it and they're hanging out. So sometimes I'm, I start to wonder like, you know, I think it looks like it could be a shift in like, you can, and I've heard some people talk about this. I'm not making it up, but hanging out's different now or it can be you're hanging out virtually and you're sitting in a park or you're doing, you know, you're in a battle together with your friends, you're talking, you're hanging out. It's not as good as being together, but it's kind of close. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like that is, um, that's the next thing sort of coming down the pike. That's going to, you know, be in our lives, like right in front of our faces sooner rather than later. I don't know. It's interesting.
1: do you, what would you guess is the average age of a gamer?
0: <sighs> Boy, um, how would you define a gamer? A kid that a person that plays like five hours a day, video or just,
1: just playing video games? Okay,
0: um, I, don't know, I don't
1: have a better definition.
0: The average age?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh geez. Um. I, uh, oh, I, I, this is like a trick question. I know. I, I'm gonna say. <laughs> I, I, I I think I know what it. I, 14. 30. I knew it. I I didn't want to mess it up. I, I had a that that's that's crazy. It's 30. It's wow. 30. So only like
1: 30 some percent are, are like under eighteen. Oh, okay. So that means our little young kids mm-hmm. are playing with 30, 40 year olds, you know. So yep. scary. That's another thing to be wary of. And they may not realize that either. Yep. You know, it's so, not somebody who's probably got a you know 40 hour a week job either you know so they've got yeah. time on their hands
2: yeah.
1: you know so um know. but you're right about the hanging out thing like you said that when he's doing it he's hanging out is he physically with them
0: no virtually he's not physically no it's I mean virtual. he does have friends and he goes out with them yes at, at times he's not you're um, his
1: dad and Jen's his mom so I know that they're doing things outdoors without, without yeah, technology. Yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, that's that yes, and that's also gives them a false sense of community.
0: It does. Like
1: I have all these friends.
0: I know. Do you really oh,
1: have these friends? Like are they your friends? You know, I mean do I know. you
0: Yeah. So it's it anyway, that's almost like a little something to yeah. think about for you down the road and 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 who knows, um, yeah, I know I've had you on here for a while, Kim, I want to let you go in a little, just very soon. I just wanted to ask you, um, where do you see, like, what's the future of, um, your organization? Where do you see it in five years? Do you even think that far into the future? Where do you want to go? seems like you started in Horsham and you kind of have expanded already. Like, what's the, what's, uh, the goal, the outlook?
1: Yeah. So we have a pretty good footprint in about five counties. Now we have a lot, a lot of um, connections through school districts. And also we have County contracts with Montgomery and Chester and Bucks counties to do a lot of programming. We have, um, if I can just mention that we have the, uh, I talked about community programs, but we also have these parent partnership meetings. Okay. That we now have 17 meetings every week that yeah. are, Free to attend for parents like me who at any stage in life are either a 15 year old or literally, I mean, we have parents who have a 15 year old and we have parents who have a 48 year old uh, and everything in between Okay. Um, who are just concerned about their substance use. Um, and those are very much like an Al-Anon or Nar-Anon meeting, which are 12 step meetings for loved ones, um, but these are not 12 step meetings. It's all parents, grandparents, guardians. Um, We have crosstalk, which you don't have in 12-step meetings. So we really, those are, those saved my life. They were just, that's what I did from the beginning when Daniel went to treatment. Um, We also have this new family recovery course. And so to kind of answer your question, this course um, is only a year old now. Um, It started off in Chester County. Again, we have all three of those counties funding it so that we don't have to charge people for that either, Um, but it's capped at 12 parents for each three part course that's led by two instructors who are peers like me, who are trained, who are compensated. And, um, they, everybody gets a manual It's three parts. It's only two and a half hours each week, three consecutive weeks, but it's basically for parents who it's not prevention. It's we're in the soup. My, my kid is addicted, you know, um, either they've been to treatment, they won't go to treatment. They've been to 10 treatments. Yeah. They're sober, but I'm still codependent and white knuckled because I've had trauma in this. I mean, Jim, we work with families constantly who have had to overdo who, who have had to reverse their child's overdose. Yeah. So or driven around Kensington looking for their child, yeah. or I mean, I can't even tell you the trauma that not only the child of the person with a substance use disorder has experienced. But the ripples, the family, the community, the friends around them. Um, so, what we what we've now built are these three legs: the community programs, the parent support groups that are always there, fifty two weeks a year, you know, um, five nights a week, five days a week, yeah. and then now this this three part course um, that connects you to all of that. You know, so that you'll stay engaged and keep learning and keep staying. You know, this is a new community for you. You know, Um, so where I see it going is not growing geographically because I feel like there's there are plenty of families that still haven't met us. (laughs) You know, Um,
0: and need to meet. And
1: right, that's the goal. Is yeah, to be um, a resource for them. I mean, the network of therapists that we've developed is mind boggling. And I get to work with people who it's the helping industry. I mean, it's like, yeah. they are social workers, they're, they're counselors, they're psychiatrists, they're, they PhDs, they're, they're teachers and and all these loving people who want to help these other families and people who've been through it and want yeah. to give some rest and do, give back. Um, so the big goal is, to be recognized by anybody out there than the day they have that first discovery that we had. Yeah. So that they know I'm going to go to conversation.zone and find one of those meetings or find out, you know, cause we have this clinical advisor who can help you with where to go to treatment, who takes your insurance, um, where to get an assessment, where to detox, who's an interventionist, all that kind of stuff.
0: That, that would so, be my question. Like if somebody, you know, somebody even listened to this, like, Oh, I, I have that problem. I, my, daughter has that problem, my neighbor's daughter, my friend, my cousin, whatever. If they go to conversation, it's conversation.zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that a play like a starting point? Do you want that to be a starting point where someone's almost in panic? Like we don't even know where to start. Can we email you? Or do we have to, cause you said a couple of meetings, maybe they don't even know where they would fit in. Maybe they just need to talk to somebody. Right. Can you be that? Resource, not you individually, sure. but your
1: yeah 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 we can and there are, there are a lot of us who have this certified family recovery specialist and it's basically a coach yeah it's based you know I'm not a therapist yeah. I'm a I'm a recovery coach basically for the family member right. so yeah there's that I mean every county in Pennsylvania has a single county authority and that's some that that is a, an office that does assessments and things like that unfortunately when you go on a county website it's a little tough to many of them are tough to navigate oh,
0: yeah, for sure
1: so not usually it never would have entered my mind to go on montgomery county's no. drug and alcohol page and look for like where to get my kid assessed i never would have thought of that no. um that's why i say i i would like for people to recognize us as that that conduit that yeah. liaison that advocate for them you know that helps connect them to you know we ask the right questions like just you know where are you and frankly the the most important thing anybody can do who's gone through this is to take care of themselves first, because if we're running around with our hair on fire, we can't help our loved one, you know? So, so get yourself some support. Um, We have therapists who work just with the families first. Um, And a lot of times one parent is seeing the problem and the other parent is minimizing and making the other parent feel like they're crazy. This happens a lot. Um, so just being there for that parent who has this awareness and is feeling very isolated. The isolation is devastating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Kim, I mean, I can't, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me and and explaining really what you do and your seems like, I don't know if this is your passion or your life's work, but it's really good work and it seems like it's your passion and your life's work. It's impressive. And it's, It's just really, it's amazing that um, you've created something that's not easy to do. And it's also, like you said, when it happened to you, where did you, where could you turn to? You didn't know. So you've found a need. You are attempting to solve a problem. And it seems like you're doing a really great job at that. And that's what, you know, and and I know you don't get a lot of, you know, accolades. I, I saw you on the website, which is cool, but you don't do this for the attention. I mean, you really are, um, a, truly a strong, uh, courageous leader that is brave and, and set something up in our community that is helping lots of parents and, and, and children. And, and I just think it's amazing what you've, what you've done and your group. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Jim. It's so rewarding. I can't even tell you how rewarding it is. It really, it, the, the gifts just are amazing.
0: Yeah. Thank um, you so much. yeah, no, thank you. We'll have to, um, Stay on for a second after all and um we'll uh I'll talk to you for a second. But thanks for coming on and, and I appreciate it. Absolutely. If you have a great mentor or leader that you would like to be considered for the show, email us at theleadernextdoor10 at gmail.com. Also check us out on Instagram at Leader and our new YouTube channel at the Leader Nextdoor. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Have a great week, everyone.